is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And welcome once again to the program. We kick off another week here where the NHL resumes action. A couple of programming notes right off the top. Well, guest list notes right off the top here. Normally, Elliot kicks it off. He is at the Leafs Islanders skate, so he's bumped to the beginning of the second hour. Uh, so John Bartlett is going to stop by here in a couple of moments. We'll talk about the All-Star Weekend in Toronto. Luke Fox will stop by. It is the Maple Leafs facing off tonight against the New York Islanders. So we will uh, talk to Luke about everything Maple Leaf, whether it's goaltending, new update on Joseph Wall, or whether it is David Camp as well. Um, so Luke Fox stops by at the bottom of the hour. Elliot kicks off hour two. Connor McGahee will stop by as well. It is the Avalanche tonight uh, back in action. Just a two-game sked tonight. Avalanche racing off against the New York Rangers. Looking forward to seeing Zach Parisi on a line with Ryan Johansson and Arturi Lekkanen. Uh, that is tonight. Um, a couple of things as well. So this program goes off the air technically after hour two. But uh, we will stay on the air for the hockey, um, for the London Police Press Conference Uh, which takes place at 2 o'clock Eastern this afternoon. We will stay on the air with that across the Sportsnet Radio Network and also on Sportsnet 360. Now, court proceedings in the case this morning, um, uh, they have been adjourned uh, until April, uh, April 30th specifically. This is the case against the five players charged uh, with sexual assault going back to June 2018. And because no charges today were read in court, there were no pleas entered. Uh, Paul Grant, who's uh, covering this for Sportsnet, will stop by right after the London presser as well uh, to fill us in on what's next, you know, timelines, what to expect. I mean, this is a very um, disturbing case, as you know. So if you're going to stick with us after hour two, um, please use your discretion. A lot of what you may hear can be distressing and or triggering. Uh, please take care of yourself um, before listening or watching this London police press conference, uh, which we'll have just after 2 o'clock Eastern this afternoon. Uh, before we get to John Bartlett, I mean, it's, how do you hard turn after that, right? Again, uh, the weekend that was around All-Star and the NHL. And if I'm going to nitpick, I mean, there's really not much to nitpick about this. Although I am wondering whether I am measuring or looking at the All-Star weekend in Toronto, if I'm measuring this off against what we saw last year in Florida. Now, a quick note about Florida. I always applaud people for trying new things. Uh, What's the old saying that I always like to trot out here? Dogs don't bark at parked cars. Um, uh, Fred Shearer once telling Dave Schultz, if uh, you don't want to get criticized, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. So I always come short of really getting down too hard on the NHL for All-Star last year uh, or the Florida Panthers organization for that matter. But uh, for whatever quote-unquote wrongs we saw last year in Florida, I mean, a lot of them were righted. And if you're going to nitpick, maybe you say the skills competition went on a little bit long perhaps i guess maybe other than that i mean the games are the games and at times interestingly enough you know they were pretty good like uh, i got to say they the games were good um for again the games were good for all star but i always go into all star saying the same thing i want to see the best beer league level hockey I can see in the world, and that's what gets delivered. And it's pretty obvious if you've watched these things for long enough. Um, this is not the all-star games of old, folks. This St. your mommy and daddy's all-star game or grandma and grandpa. Ain't that style of all-star game now. But we all understand what the score is, and I don't think the teams want it to be a legitimate contest. 
as played by NHLers using NHL tempo and NHL violence. But you know, you look at um, you know, you, you look at the games that we saw on Saturday specifically. Kids loved it. Obviously, the place was packed. Uh, kids were going crazy. It helps that it's essentially the hometown team that won uh, in dramatic fashion as well. But you know, this is. You know, this this is traditionally a weekend and games that are played that follow a very specific code. And there's one place that you really see it, and that's on breakaways. It's almost as if there is an understanding uh, between both sides that if someone's on a breakaway, uh, we're not going to back check hard. We're not going to try to interrupt that breakaway. The other thing that we've seen before, Elliot and I talked about this on the podcast this morning. There sort of is an unwritten rule about, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, not shooting too hard. I mean, you can shoot in NHL shots or NHL shots, but there were a couple of times where Austin Matthews really let the pucks fly. And uh, as Elliot pointed out on the podcast this morning, we'll get into this with Elliot coming up uh, in hour two. Um, there were some people that were, let's just say, troubled by that. That's not the all-star code, Mr. Matthews. Let's put a leash on that puppy. We don't shoot like that at all-star. Nonetheless, uh, here to go over a lot of the All-Star Weekend that we saw, whether it is Wayne Gretzky basement pop-ups or Michael Buble on mushrooms, here he is from Hockey Night in Canada, the great John Bartlett. How are you today, Barts? I'm great, Jeffy. How are you? Uh, I am well. If you were to select one thing out of what we saw and experienced over the weekend in Toronto for the All-Star Weekend, what would it be? Was there one moment? Was there one person? Was there one event? Because there were many that you would pull out of this and say, that was All-Star Weekend in Toronto. Oh, you know, um, I agree with a lot of what you said. First of all, I just want to go back to something you said on Friday on the show and ended with, you know, when people debate whether All-Star is is good or great or fun, it's for the kids, right? The kids love seeing all yes. the stars in one yes. place. So. We kind of opened our show with that, reminding everyone that, hey, put yourself in the eyes of a kid and you're going to have some fun. And I think everyone did have fun this weekend. Uh, Best part, you know, I really enjoyed the skills on Friday night. I thought it was one of the best skills events we've seen in years. Um, The reason being, and to use your word nitpick, I'll give you a nitpick in a second on it. But overall, I thought it was a great event. I loved loved the, um, the elimination level of it how you knocked a few guys yep. out. And it was almost like, remember the old yep. show, American Gladiators, where you got to the end and you had to run the Eliminator race. So the, I, I love that idea yeah. of making it to the final to run the obstacle course. Um, so it was great. The one the one nitpick, and maybe I know people have said, did it go on a little long? I thought the passing challenge was probably the one that was um, the toughest one for the players to do. You're trying to hit a stationary target while you're moving, which is not something you typically do in a game. And that one might have been the one that, that, that dragged a little, if you will. But, but overall, uh-huh. I thought the players competed uh, hard for it. And, and I think what we probably enjoyed about the skills, and I'm not going to knock the NHL for trying, trying to do different things for the fans the last couple of years, but during a game... Yep. Uh, you don't see a player trying to hit a surfboard on a beach or, or hit blackjack on the strip. You're trying to hit one-timers, yeah. connect crisp passes, make speedy plays. So I think all the events were tied back to skills you would see in an actual game. And I think that that's probably what made it enjoyable for everyone is seeing those skills you would want to see from the star players in a game happen. And and that's probably what made it enjoyable. A little easier um, for the players as well to 
you know, to, to get into it. And, um, yeah, I, I think there were there were a lot of great moments between, you know, the stars that we had there behind the bench adding some entertainment value. Heck, I even got a – I'm going to say this. Yeah. I even got a good chuckle out of Nikita Kucherov trolling the fans on Saturday after he had the bad skills. <laughs> and he knew – as soon as he knew he was out of it, he's like, yeah. ah, heck with this. And then they're booing. He feeds off of that. He was feeding off the booing. And then to have his shootout attempt yep. on the game on Saturday where he's waving them on and egging them on, it's like a Brad Marchand kind of thing to do in Toronto. I thought it was – Hilarious. So, you know, I mean, in the spirit of the moment and the entertainment value, um, full marks for something we're not going to see for a couple of years. So I I would say for an entertainment value for fans, uh, one of the best all-star weekends we've seen in years. And for kids, uh, a lot of great memories you're going to have when you think back to all-star weekend in Toronto. So here's what, there's a lot in there. I'm going to try to pick out a couple of things here, John. So I, uh, I really liked your comment about the idea of these are things that you see in a hockey game as opposed to surfboards and blackjack, which we understand thematically. Hey, you know, you're in Florida, you're on the beach. Hey, you're in Vegas. I mean, it it does thematically make sense. But here's what it felt like very much to me. It very much felt like hockey operations wrestled this thing away from marketing. Did it feel that way to you? Because I'm hearing you talk, and I'm agreeing with you. I'm on side 100%. It felt like this was hockey operations saying, okay, let us do it now. We understand the entertainment value of trying to play off Vegas. Get it. Understand the entertainment value of playing off the beach in Florida. Get it. But at the end of it, these are still hockey fans, and we are still selling hockey, and we are still in the hockey business. Did it feel very much to you, and there still was plenty of entertainment dressing up everything, that hockey operations now has pulled this thing away from marketing? Well, I, I think you got the right balance. I, I think they stayed in the right lane. So if, if that is the case, I think of Connor McDavid, you know, being involved in trying to change the skills. Then he goes out and wins yep. it. But anyways, that's nothing like rigging the game for yourself. No, I'm kidding. But, um, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> I think what it is. Here are the is, events we should do. Yeah, here are the events. Here are, here are eight events I think are fabulous at. You know, I'll bet you a million bucks I could beat anyone at this. That was probably the conversation uh, he awesome. had, but good on him. Um, just scary. nobody told him that his million dollars, he has to pay the winning team the next day. So, but no, so, you know, I think that, you're right. And, and where marketing gets involved and, and that entertainment is where we had Will Arnett and Michael Buble and Tate McRae and Justin Bieber and, yeah. and bring in that mix, but bring them into the game. And, and that's, that's what you want, right? That's what you're talking about, I think, is bring the game and the skill and the players in hockey. Let's showcase how great the game yeah. is. And then let's, let's show you why all these celebrities love the game. And that's how we'll market you into the game. Um, you know, I, I, it's the other thing, you know, I was talking about this on the weekend a bit too. It's difficult for hockey. Um, when you think of other sports, you have the slam dunk competition in basketball, uh, but that's on an empty net yeah. and you can get flashy in hockey. You have to beat a goalie to score. You have a home run contest in baseball. That's you knocking a ball as far as you can. The closest thing to that in hockey maybe is the hardest shot or possibly accuracy. But outside yep. of that, you, you know, it's tough to replicate some of those other flashy events you can do in other sports. So you kind of have to uh, stick to the game. And I, I thought they did a good job of it. So here, let me circle back here. You're giving us some gold here, Johnny. Let me, um, let me pull something out here. When you talk about the celebrities who are involved, Justin Bieber, Will Arnett, Michael Buble, Tate McRae, etc. The one thing, and I'll go back to my hockey ops thing, and you're talking about the marriage of hockey ops and marketing here. These are all people that have an association with hockey. 
Like nothing from like nothing from this weekend seemed forced. There was mm-hmm. not a sort of like, huh? Why are they doing this and why is this person here moment? Like the Bieber Hockey Association is well told. The Will Arnett Association is well told. Buble, same thing for Vancouver. Like we understand and, and Tate McRae. Like I'll be honest with you. Let me let me let me, let me drill down here on on on, uh, on on Tate McRae for the weekend here. I did not know and don't know much about Tate McRae other than I see her during cutaways at Calgary Flames games. And like that's about as and I'm sure I've heard plenty of Tate McRae music at the gym or around. I just don't know that it's her until this weekend. And there is that relationship. She's going she goes to Calgary Flames games, big hockey fan, all of it. I really thought that this was, like from an entertainment point of view, this was a great one for her. And the one thing that Elliot talked about on the podcast was talking to people in uh, in our production of the game. Like they have to get there early, 6.30, 7 o'clock, cup of coffee. Okay, here we go. Plan the day, what it's going to look like. She was there. Like she was there working with her crew, working with her her band, working with her dancers, all of it, to make sure that this thing, that this thing came off and looked and sounded Great. There was no room for error. We talk about so much about, you know, hockey players at this event and showcasing skills. It's almost as if she said to herself, I know that I'm performing in front of a bunch of hockey fans. And at the same time, if I can nail this thing, it's going to be even bigger than that. And I thought her performance was dynamite. And I'm like a 54-year-old dude that watches Calgary Flames games. And all I do is I see her in the crowd. I've never seen her perform before. But holy smokes, John. What a great performance that was by Tate McRae. That was fantastic. Yeah, you know what? And full disclosure, I, same as you, I kind of knew a little bit about her. Same thing with the music. So I uh, didn't, and, and that's okay. That's why you, you have events like this. And that's why artists do events like this to, to get into a different crowd. So, uh, so that's great. I'm the same as you yeah. on that. And, and, and you're right, you know, and, and hats off on the television side, Jeff Girardat, Johnny Sapala, producer and director of the All-Star yeah. Weekend. They were working weeks ahead. We were doing games and they were off having meetings, getting ready for all this. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes with the crew. Same on the radio side. We had everyone working on our side and Jim Ralph with me. We had a great weekend, but um, so hats off to them. But you're right that uh, the, the production I thought was phenomenal. And being in the building to see yeah. the show, I thought that was, you know, that was top level performance there uh, by Tate McRae. And and the you're right, the production value it seemed big, it seemed flashy. We've got Super Bowl coming up in a week here, so you know everyone's kind of got a bar set high for these things. And I thought they did a great job with that. The production level as well of the staging, getting the staging in and off the ice during commercial breaks and everything, the way they they had that organized, yeah. that was that was down to a science too. But um, yeah, I, in the building, I, I was watching on the monitors and looked like it translated uh, very well on television for the viewers. And I thought it was a phenomenal show in the building as well. So um, that's, but forced, you know, you made a great point, forced. Let's not try to force things when we have people that love our sport. Let's embrace who loves the sport and make a great show of it that way. And then everyone's there genuinely having a good time. And when people see that, they want to have a good time too. It's like the party you want to be at. So everyone wants to be with NHL hockey because, hey, that looks fun. So, you know, why not? And and this weekend looked fun. And it was. So Savannah Harmon came out a big star in the uh, PWHL three-on-three uh, showcase. Uh, she was fantastic and then scored for, for Ottawa, albeit in a losing effort last night. Um, Connor McDavid won the skills competition. As you mentioned, he is the champion. He, uh, he holds the belt. He holds the trophy. Uh, Team Matthews won at the All-Star Games themselves. 
But coming out of this one is someone that you referenced a couple of moments ago, and that is Nikita Kucherov. Now, the one thing I will say about him is he does not mind being the villain. Not only does he not mind it, but he likes leaning into it, and we saw that on Saturday. You know, I don't know what the NHL can do or has an appetite to do uh, about Nikita Kucherov. He's one of the best players in the game. He absolutely deserves to be there. The NHL needs to have him there, given his spot in the game. He might win the Hart Trophy this year. Like, that's the kind of season that Kucherov is having. Um, Did your opinion of him change at all based on what you saw at Skills? Uh, Jeffy, you're a wrestling guy. You know he'd play the fantastic heel, wouldn't he? Right. Like, <laughs> and the thing oh, is, yeah. he can turn heel oh, yeah. on you. Russian he can heel. Turn heel on you. Russian heel, man. <laughs> he's Nikita. He's Nikita Volkov. He's 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 Ivan Koloff. He's the the classic classic Russian heel. Yeah, he's the star in the middle of the ring, and everything's going great. All of a sudden, something turns, and there's a chair coming over your back, and it's him swinging it. Uh, and that's kind of what it was on the weekend, right? The skills competition, he's out there, and it starts to go. As soon as that crowd turned, he got the chair out and thought, all right, I'll go this way with it. And, and you know, that's he'll what turn. I said. I could, yeah, I kind of laughed. It's the he'll turn entertainment value. The only thing I'll say to that on the Friday night part, the game's the game. So, you know, uh, with the shootout waving the crowd, I actually I thought it was a little humorous. Yeah. But because that's what I mean. He's the heel, knew he was the heel, leaned into it. Uh, but on the skills on the Friday yeah. night, it's unfortunate when you don't, which, again, this is a part of it I actually liked, uh, that you didn't have every player competing in it. It was the 12 that was in it. But you're one of those 12, um, and, and you're trying to win the million dollars. And the guy I felt for was Matt Barzell because uh, Ralphie and I were even yeah. saying beforehand, we thought he would be, not that there was a sleeper pick in an all-star group, but I really felt Barzell had a lot of the tools. I think you talked about that, too, on the show last week. Uh, that he has a lot of the tools and he might be a guy that could overall, right. Get enough points and get to the final. And he did it until the mini nets. And I think he had a chance of winning until the mini nets. So, but you, you think of guys like that, um, that were in the 12 and that night, if you're only going to have 12, you want the best of the best, giving you the best of the best. Um, So I could see where, you know, fans are giving it to Kucherov once, once it goes south and he does the old, ah, well, this isn't going to work for me and, and kind of, you know, throws up the white flag. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you don't want to see that. You want to you want to see 12 giving it as hard as they can. But it is, even in that format, it's tricky to know. Once it goes, like Barzell knew every shot he kept hitting the post, it was like dollar signs just coming out of the bank account on every one that he missed on it. And <laughs> you're feeling for the guy, right? So, you yeah. know, but but that's yeah. it, it made it entertaining that way. But yeah, that's the only thing. Uh, you know, I, I would have just make sure if you're one of the twelve, and that I guess would be the message to Kucherov. As much as you had fun being the heel, hey, there's eleven other guys here too uh, that are you know trying to win the million, but also not embarrass themselves and want to make the league look good, want to make themselves and their skills look good, and you want to be given the the solid effort for the fans, right? Like so. That that would yeah. be the only thing. I mean, even McDavid at the end, he, he's won the million dollars. Out comes the check, and you could barely get a 10-cent smile off of him because, you know, it was so focused on winning the event kind of thing. So y- you want to see, you want to make sure that the 12 that are there are, are given it 110% for the fans that have, you know, paid their money and invested time and effort to be there and see that. Because he does have the skills to win that thing going away. Uh, John, great job by you and Ralphie. Uh, excellent work. Uh, glad you loved it. I think it came off great. Uh, I, I really, like, you have to really squint hard to find a lot of things to nitpick about it. Unless 
you're just an old curmudgeon who doesn't like the all-star games themselves that's fine but as you point out this is for kids and for people that have the nerve to keep the lights on in the place uh bart's always good pal you have a good uh, a good start to your week the unofficial second half of the season is now upon us thanks pal yeah you bet anytime and like you said it leaves everyone if we're not going to have this for a couple of years everyone goes away going well that was a good yeah. one to leave us on yeah Great point. Great point by you. Uh, John Bartlett uh, from the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Still to come, bottom of the hour, Luke Fox on the Maple Leafs. They're in action tonight against the Islanders. We're getting NHL games back. Two tonight. I know, teams are just starting to come back from their bye week. Uh, Elliot Friedman kicks off our two. Connor McGahey, play-by-play voice of the Avalanche, will stop by for uh, the bottom half of hour two. It is the Avalanche tonight. They are back in action against the New York Rangers. And then after this show goes off the air, we stay on the air on the Sportsnet Radio Network um, and Sportsnet 360 for the London Police Press Conference. They will comment for the first time in this 2018 World Junior case. Uh, in the meantime, Maddie Marchese is aboard. Hey, Maddie, how'd you how'd you enjoy All Star Weekend? What did it for you? The uh, the pop ups, the mushrooms, or Kucherov? <laughs> I mean, all of the above uh, were pretty good. <clears throat> but you know, for me, yeah. the, the thing that stood out the most to me, Jeff, and you kind of mentioned it in the open, um, the games it's themselves were actually. Not bad. Like, I'm watching this. I'm going, these guys are actually yeah. skating a little bit here. Like, there was something to play for, and I thought that that was, that was good. I also, I really liked that the skills, con- I know that it, it you're, and you're right, it did feel like it went a little long, but what I did like oh, about no. the skills competition was it didn't have to involve everyone, and you kind of had the best of the best. And I thought that that was, was good because not everybody wants to take part in it. I understand that. Uh, guys are put in events that maybe they don't yeah. want to do, but I thought it was it was really good by the NHL. I thought the players were great. I, I thought it was a really successful weekend, Jeff. Yeah, I really did too, um, both on and off the ice as well. And the point that I was trying to make with Bart's as well is that everybody who was not a hockey person or not someone that is involved in the NHL on a direct basis all had a link to hockey, all of them. Yeah. And like... I've never been a huge Justin Bieber fan, but I really liked him this weekend. Now, talking to people in and around the game, that that concert, I guess for lack of a better term, he he sang a few songs on Thursday at his at his uh, at his private party. Like that's the first time he's performed in a number of years. Like as it's been described to me, he's really been put through the ringer by the music industry, mm-hmm. and he's been in it since he was essentially a toddler, really. And you know, you think just how much is caught up to him mentally and where he's at with the music industry right now. Because as it's uh, as it's described to me, that guy's been put through it. That, that guy's been that guy's been through a ton. And I thought whether it was the the jersey designs, whether it was that awesome coat that he wore to the game on oh, Saturday, something. Uh, which which looked fantastic. I love it, man. Good for him. Uh, and then the, the the concert on Thursday, I thought Bieber came out looking great coming off of all this, and you can tell. Like, all those guys. On, and I thought it was really cool. Like, I don't, I'm not going to be one of these grumpy guys. Like, he doesn't belong on the ice with these supers. They all wanted him there. You know, this isn't like someone that bought himself a fantasy camp. Like, you know, sometimes where, like, there are plenty of moments where there's um, 
uh, I'm sure you've been at these sheets of ice before, where there's a, a sheet of ice that's been rented, and you can tell like some kajillionaire just bought like their kids or their beer league buddies a fantasy camp, and they hire ex NHLers to, to come and play and fire it around, and it's like, well, okay, you just won a fantasy camp, or you just paid for a fantasy camp. It wasn't like that with Bieber taking warm-up on Saturday because how many of those guys just lined up for pictures of Bieber? Like, all the guys thought that it was really cool, too. And it's not just Austin Matthews. It's everybody lined up to get pictures on the ice with Bieber. So I didn't – normally I gross about stuff like that. I didn't mind it at all. Yeah, I, I didn't at all, Maddie. What about you? I would I, – I almost grossed about it. And then I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to waste energy on get grossing about this. Yeah, it's, it's really – but, but also, too um, – here, here's the beauty of something like that is that to Justin okay. Bieber, like Justin Bieber is a huge star, right? We know that. That's very well documented. Yeah. But the players to him are huge stars. Like he's still, you know, he has a relationship with a bunch of these guys, but there's still like that awe factor with him when he sees hockey players, right? Whereas for them, they get the same, yeah. you know, reaction, whether they like him or not, he's still a big star. I think there's still the awe factor there. So I think it's genuine. It's not mm. like what you said where somebody's buying their way onto uh, onto a sheet of ice. You can always find those guys too, Jeff, because they can't skate and they have the best equipment known to man. You know exactly who those guys oh, are. That's so true. They're, 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 it's oh, like that's 100% they true. have the $450 so stick, the $900 <laughs> skates, and they suck. It's not that stuff's not helping you. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I thought yeah. overall, overall, I think the weekend was great. Yeah. Everyone that I spoke to was down there. They they enjoyed themselves. Um, I just thought the players bought into this as well because I think the players understand too now. Like, I also like the point that you made where, you know, hockey ops got a hold of this a little bit, and I think that's where yes, the players as more soon than as it, a little bit, yeah, as soon as it gets gimmicky, that's when the players check out, and it wasn't. I didn't have that feeling. Like, you know, watching Austin Matthews' reaction when Kale McCarr hits 102 miles an hour on the gun and he's like, whoa, whoa, that was pretty impressive. Like things like that I thought were great. The Kucherov stuff, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not surprised by any of it. Um, and I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be a heel. The David Pasternak kissing the jersey, like all that stuff. I thought the whole weekend was a great success and something that hopefully they can build on in the future. Um, but leaving that one, if it's the last one for a couple of years, like John said, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, that's pretty good. Is there anything outside of the game itself? Like, I don't know why I keep coming back. Maybe it's because I was the first time that I had seen her perform. But was there anything outside of the game that caught your attention? For me, it was it was Tate McRae. Like to me, she comes out of this thing an even bigger star. Uh, for anyone that uh, that saw that performance, what I just thought was was fantastic. Yeah, and for was anybody, anything was, did you have your did did you have your Tate McRae moment? Oh, well, that was that was pretty cool too. Uh, the I mean, the Michael Bublé stuff was fantastic, Jeff. Like, I don't care what anybody says. He's like awesome. the the fact that you can you know joke about that stuff and people just you know I yeah. I, I made the joke on Friday. Um, I can't wait for the the Christmas album now. I mean, I, I, Michael Bublé has. A, <laughs> I want to know what that sounds like. But I think every you know just having those stars there. I think nothing being forced by anyone. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is that everything felt natural yeah. everything felt genuine and I, I thought it was a it was a great weekend i know people are probably like oh you're just a shill for the all-star i don't generally like all-star games i'll be the first person to say i don't i don't love to watch them but i i watched every night i was i was intrigued by everything 
Uh, I, I there's there's yeah. nothing that really was a bad look for me. I um I when it comes to things like All Star or 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 even like the NHL right now too. I I, I use my sort of my uh my my uh, my my two boys as a th- sort of thermometer for like you know what kids want. Yeah. My kids are I got a 2012 and a 2010. As I sound like a douchey hockey dad, <laughs> I got a 10 year old and a 14 or 12 year old and a 14 year old. Um, so I sort of gauge you know where something like the All Star Game is at for them and they really wanted to go so got them tickets yes i did reach into my own pocket to pay for tickets the Matt onion Casey, wallet you're gonna ask that it cried yeah, when you opened open it, it i cry i cry i know throw nickels around like manhole covers i know we've heard all the jokes oh you're gonna finally spend your communion money America? alligator <laughs> arms okay so yeah i know can't can't reach down uh oh, the check comes and you go to tie your shoes um so they really wanted to go uh, and they loved it. But the other thing, too, uh, both my boys had practice on Friday night, and they both said, you know, as I was you know, driving them home from two separate ranks and two separate times, can you hurry up? I want to see the skills competition. Yeah. yeah. Right? Now, I get it. Like, skills is kind of like what they watch on their phones anyway. Like, they just watch sort of highlights, and the skills competition is made for clips and is made for phones and all that. But I always sort of, you know, again, like I'm like you, like I don't listen to, I don't listen to the olds when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to all-star weekend, you know, listen to kids and go look at all the kids that were there and, you know, talk to kids at the rink and see what they're interested in. And they were fascinated by the skills competition yeah. and they really wanted to see the all-star. So listen, don't listen to the olds. The olds may have a big microphone, but... Having said that, I probably <laughs> sitting in uh, front don't of listen one. To them. Listen, <laughs> listen to kids. Listen, listen, listen to kids. Uh, okay, going to hit a break here. Uh, coming up an hour or two. Thanks, Matt. Coming up an hour or two. Elliot Friedman, Connor McGahey, but next Luke Fox on um, on how the Maple Leafs will be propelled by that big win on set. No, I can't even pretend to fake something like that. Luke Fox stops by from Sportsnet.ca preview the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs facing off against. Patrick Waugh and the New York Islanders. Friedman, McGahee, still to come. Luke Fox is next. Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Back in a moment. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program. Quick update here. Bailey Johnson from the uh, Washington Post on Twitter saying, Spencer Carberry said the Capitals will have an update later on Yevgeny Kuznetsov, who missed practice today for personal reasons. As a side note, Michael Scarbosa was called up from Hershey uh, in the American Hockey League. Also, a previous tweet uh, from Bailey Johnson. Tom Wilson of the Capitals in town, Toronto's hometown, of course, playing for the Caps in the All-Star Game, was asked about the weirdest item or body part he's ever been asked to autograph. No comment, he replied and went on to say that someone on the red carpet here in Toronto asked him to sign something, quote, inappropriate, which he respectfully declined, which reminds me of one of my favorite literary stories. I think it was J.D. Salinger, author of Catcher in the Rye, one of these book signing things. Uh, A gentleman walked up to him without a book, uh, but instead revealed the, um, how shall we say this, revealed the part of him that is most a man, how about that? To which J.D. Salinger said, I can't sign that, sir. 
but I could probably initial it. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> I've always waited to use that one here on the radio slash television, and there we go. Welcome to Monday, February the 5th, post-All-Star. Post uh, Luke Fox joins me now from Sportsnet.ca to bail me out of that uh, J.D. Salinger story. Uh, it is the Maple Leafs facing off against the New York Islanders. Luke, how are you today? I'm I'm okay. I don't know how to follow that. So I'll just say that it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to be in a scrum with uh, Patrick Waugh this morning at the rink. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just make a hard right out of that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't yeah, I can't sign it, sir, but I could I could certainly initial it. Yeah, Islanders are in town, and uh, listen, the Patrick Waugh Circus. No matter whether the Islanders are winning or losing, and there are a lot of troubles there, and we've certainly well documented all of them. Um, and we'll find out about Pulak and Pellick tonight for the New York Islanders. What's the update there? Yeah, both game time decisions. Uh, Patrick Waugh was uh, non-committal, but he basically said that these are, are two veterans, two huge leaders on the team, and, and when they are uh, yeah. good to go, it, it's going to give the group a big boost because you look at defensively, this team has struggled. They're, they might be dead last in the penalty kill. They're certainly amongst the bottom of the league, and they're also amongst the bottom of the league and shots allowed. So teams are spending a lot of time in the Islanders zone. Um, and part of that has to do with the, the injuries, but also, you know, this team needs yeah. to get back to its identity, which, uh, which was says is hard work. He's like, that's our DNA. And they seem to have gotten away yeah. from that. And that you could even tell just by the morning skate, he ran a, a pretty brisk and pretty intense morning skate. You know, sometimes this guy's just twirling, going through the motions, but he's like trying to yeah. get this group focused. They're in a dogfight right now. Uh, they are. It is the Islanders, the Maple Leafs, facing off tonight. Uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey should point that out as well. Um, when it comes, first of all, the Maple Leafs organization itself, like this All Star Weekend, has been very much applauded from a lot of different corners. Um, I think some of it is coming off of you know the criticism last year with Florida. I mean, how much? I mean, over the weekend into this week. How much do you think the uh, the Maple Leafs organization are taking a victory lap for how well this thing came off? Well, and it doesn't hurt that the four Maple Leafs came away with a chunk of the prize money and, you know, tied a nice bow on it for the, for the hometown fans. I, I think one of the things that stood out to me, um, you talk about the Maple Leafs organization, but I got to give a lot of props to Connor McDavid. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Like, for one, I think we all know that he had a, a major hand in revamping the skills competition. Yep. Um, you know, and it, it shouldn't be a shock that, that he won it. Um, surprise, he's the most skilled hockey player on, in the planet. But um, So I yep. wasn't there, but, but someone told me a story that they were with Connor McDavid um, after the skills contest, after he had won, and ran, he ran into some fans, and they were just like, oh, you know, great to meet you, congratulations, you know, uh, had a great time. And, and he stopped them, and this is secondhand, but he stopped them and said, well, how did it look? Like, did you like it? What was, and he started, he wanted genuine feedback on was the skills contest hmm. e- entertaining. And I just think the maturity of this guy uh, as an ambassador of the game, you know, when he first came in the league, of course, he's a kid, he's a teenager. I think he was a little bit reluctant. He withheld a little bit of his personality and he's much more engaged um, whether it's something small like the all-star game, whether it's how vocal he was with the PA and the commissioner in terms of really pushing for best on best hockey and get the NHLers back to the Olympics. 
I think Connor McDavid is growing into being an ambassador of the game, realizing how much his voice matters. You know, that's a really interesting point. Let me pause on that because if you look historically through the game, the superstars of the game uh, have always been the quietest around, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, controversial off-ice issues or whether it is on-ice play or whether it is uh, lockouts. Um, It's very rare. Like Wayne Gretzky, for as great as he was, Mario Lemieux, for as great as he was, I mean, there's a long list here, um, have really kind of been, you know, historically when it comes to, you know, big moments in the game, kind of like church mice. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of comments. Like, I don't know. Like, I think the, I think of Gretzky specifically, and I think the, <laughs> it's going to sound kind of frivolous, but it, it might be the only example. You know, when Wayne Gretzky was playing, like the only sort of act of defiance against the NHL or, you know, a demonstration that he was upset with the NHL was during the 94-95 lockout when he grew a goatee. (laughs) Like, other than that, I can't really think of anything uh, that Wayne did, you know, during his career. Certainly after his career has been different. Um, But we understand the pressures of, uh, you know, of of what happens when you're a player. But I'm with you. Like, when he spoke out quite openly about best on best and now here we have it, um, I think that that's uh, I think that's really a feather in the cap of, of Connor McDavid. Um, yeah. Maple Leafs uh, injury news and notes: a center and a goaltender. What do you hear? What do you know? Yeah, so David Camp got injured playing the Jets right before the break, uh, and the break came at a good time yeah. for him because he got a, a week's jump on recovery. But they because the players scattered, he didn't have an MRI until uh, the weekend, and that revealed something undisclosed that requires about two weeks um, to heal. Now he has a little bit of a jump on it because of the bye week, but he won't play in any of the Mm -hmm. Leafs three games this week. And after that, consider him day to day. So uh, yeah, he's Mm -hmm. out of lineup. The center depth takes a a little hit during this important stretch because they're right bunched with the Red Wings and Lightning in the Atlantic race. So anytime you lose uh, a key guy like camp isn't any good. Uh, Joseph Wall is a curious one. So they're being extra, extra cautious. He still isn't ready to practice in full with the team. He's on the ice. He's doing solo work, maybe light morning skate stuff. But he is. they're still trying to ramp him up to even practice. So basically, uh, Keith said he hasn't taken a step back, but he's definitely not ahead of schedule uh, from his high ankle sprain Mm -hmm. that he suffered way back in er uh, early December. So they're looking like maybe mid-month to even start having conversations. Um, And it's getting to the point where, you know, I'll put on my conspiracy theorist hat here. Uh, Are they going to wait all the the way till the trade deadline and just see what their cap picture looks at that point? And what's buying them time is Ilya Samsov's back to winning some games. So maybe the situation would be different if they weren't winning games. They carry a three-game win streak uh, into this one against the Islanders tonight. So uh, the fact that Jones and Samsonov, you know, have gotten hot at uh, opposite times of each other and kind of carried the load has given the Leafs uh, time to be patient with Wall's recovery. Uh, Samsonov versus Sorokin tonight, true or false, Luke? Uh, that would be my guess. He was in the net, but uh, Wad didn't confirm his starter. But it's definitely Samsonov. 
Right. Uh, you know, Keith was uh, mentioning as well that, you know, Samsonov cut short his you know, all-star vacation, come back, hungry, all of that. Like, this is... Like this is this is show me time. Like I know there are a lot of people that are skeptical about Samsonov. Like there are a lot of people. I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of people in the goalie community that are that are skeptical, uh, based on past performance, based on you know uh, how he has or maybe has not listened to various goaltending coaches in his career, and you know even you know every now and then when things are going great, they somehow kind of find a way to fall apart. Uh, but right now, this is one of the good, this is one of the feel-good stories around the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, what seems to be, you know, sort of whether it's, you know, I, I know on the team, they're all going to say they have his back and support and all that. But, you know, is there a, uh, how much skepticism is there around Samsonov? And is he, quote-unquote, cured or fixed of the problems that, uh, that beset him at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I'm not ready to declare that just yet. But what I will say is yeah. he's put it, he's putting in the work and he's gotten some results and each game seems to be a little bit better than the previous and it's encouraging. Um but just based on his his past track records, he's a streaky goalie. I mean, there there are many of them out there, but I cannot recall a goaltender going through the dip he had. He was basically you know, maybe you can make the case for anti Ranta, but he was among the worst starters in the league, gets waived, clears waivers, doesn't even play with yeah. the Marlies, and all of a sudden comes back and is and looks like he was last year for three games. Uh it's really a remarkable turnaround. And the thing is it's it's hundred percent mental. Like he said that he had um one of the most interesting thing he said to me was uh his parents you know, came over from Russia and, and spent some time with them. And he actually went away with, with them and his own family to Florida during the break. But his dad basically sat yeah. down and had a heart-to-heart with him and said, like, you're a dad now. You're a man. Um, he's like, you're not a little kid. you got to fight for your career. I mean, there's the element of, of him getting his game back on track for the Leafs' sake, but there's also a personal element. He's once again on an expiring contract, if he's the type of guy that gets waived, you know, his, hmm. his career, his livelihood's on the brink, and he has a young baby at home, um, you know, so I think there's some personal pride going on here, and what he's done is, like you mentioned, he cut his break short uh, to get in some work. Um, he's been staying on the ice uh, extra long. He's really kind of refocused and dedicated himself. Now, does that continue for the next two months, and can he win another playoff round? Who knows? Uh, but the the signs are are promising that that he's kind of ha- uh, refocused his mind and had a bit of a wake up here. When when you look at the weekend that we just saw, and listen, there were some. You know, as Elliot talked about this on the podcast this morning. There were some people that were, I don't know, miffed, complaining uh, about Maple Leafs players at the uh, the All Star on Saturday, trying too hard. Like we saw Austin Matthews just rip one. Like a rocket. And, I mean, listen, Luke, you know the code for All-Star, right? Like, okay, we're going to go and make it look like as much of a game as possible. But having said that, no one's back-checking. No one's certainly hitting. And no one's firing rockets, the likes of which we saw with Austin Matthews. Did you hear any of that grumbling coming off of the weekend? I didn't hear any of the grumbling, but you could tell just with your with your eyes that guys were trying a little harder than normal. And Austin was saying that uh, the guys were kind of all on the same page. Like, we're here. We might as well try and win this thing. And, uh, you know, maybe because there's money on the line, maybe because there's pride on the line, maybe because their hometown, 
why not? And the most interesting thing to me, so they're the only team that made a line switch. And I asked uh, Jim Montgomery about it. So after the first game, every like they won the game in a shootout. You know, credit to them, but it was mostly the the, Fors, yep. the the Philip Forsberg line that did the the heavy lifting. Every member of the the Leafs was a was a minus yes. in that victory. So between the two games, yeah. uh, Montgomery said, "I want to break up Matthews and Marner. That line's not going. I want to break up Riley and Nylander. So he made the switch uh, and, and and split those guys. But he he went to Austin first and said, "You know, I, I think this is we could get a little bit more balance if we do this and and have uh, Austin with Riley for a little defensive uh, structure." And they put um, Trocheck with, with with Marner and Nylander because he's a responsible two way guy. And then in the championship game, every single member of Team Matthews was a plus, and they balanced the lines out. And it's rare that you see that sort so, of strategy strategy in an all-star game. So they were taking it serious. So what you're saying is then, if I can read this correctly, because I want to throw Igor Shosturkin into this mix as well, because I thought he was really good. Here I am yeah. you know, talking about this all-star event like it's an actual game. But maybe the headline should read this. Boston coach and Rangers netminder wins Leafs a championship. Would that be accurate? And maybe throw in Detroit sniper too with Alex Debrinkit. Yeah, and pop stars coach. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot, a lot of a lot of magic there. But you know, Montgomery had a great. He's like, I'm going to hold this over Pasternak's head. You know, I get, there's going to be plenty of chirps in the Boston ah. that that he won. So. Yeah, it was a, it was competitive, but there was definitely some good-natured uh, chirping going on. It was a fun weekend. Okay, let me uh, let me conclude by asking you about Nikita Kucherov. Now, one mm. of the um, like I just ha- I just had to laugh at this headline. I understand that when you work for the NHL and there's an event the likes of which we just saw with Nikita Kucherov in the skills, I know it can be challenging to write some type of headline that doesn't absolutely bury the player. But I'm going to read you the headline from the NHL on Saturday and maybe see if you could suggest an alternative headline. So here's the headline. I'm still laughing looking at it. Kucherov embraces role as crowd rival at NHL All-Star Game. <laughs> my, my headline might be, uh, potential Hart Trophy candidate makes mockery of our NHL marquee events. What yeah. would your headline be, Luke Fox? <laughs> uh, light, lightning superstar shows up so he doesn't get suspended. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Just, make, uh, just make an appearance. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's here, so don't get suspended. I, I don't know. I I feel like I feel like that happened. I've seen it happen with my kid before, where you start losing something, so then you just stop trying, so it doesn't look bad. Like it doesn't look like you're trying and yeah. also failing. So you missed the first couple passes and then just dogged it. I mean, I've seen lots of guys get get booed at an All Star game during their intro just because of the team that they represent. You know, I remember yeah, Patrick Kane. Sure. Patrick Kane getting booed in, at the Nashville All Star Game, right? And Pasternak got booed when he was introduced yeah. here. But I, I can't remember a guy getting booed based on performance before. Yeah, that was uh, it was unique. At the All Star, well, and listen, as 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 a few people have pointed out to me as well, um, you know, this is an All Star weekend where during the games 
the guys dog it and nobody minds. But if someone dogs it during the skills competition, all of a sudden they're the worst villain in the history of the NHL. Just for a little bit of balance here. Uh, Luke, thanks as always for sharing your expertise on this one tonight uh, and the All-Star weekend that we just saw. Thanks, pal. We'll, uh, we'll, talk, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Back to real hockey. Let's go. Back to real hockey. Yeah, two games tonight. Is the Maple Leafs facing off against the New York Islanders, Rogers Monday Night Hockey, and as well, it is the Colorado Avalanche facing off against the New York Rangers. Shosturkin looked good, yes, on Saturday, but he will not play. It'll be Jonathan Quick for the Rangers tonight. Time now for sports, or sorry, time now for line change. There we go. Presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bets Local. Matt Marchese, two to choose from. Are you going with the obvious? I'm going with the obvious. It's, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup here. Uh, Islanders at the Maple Leafs. The puck line is Maple Leafs minus one and a half. The Islanders are 2-6-2 and two in their last 10, but they're 3-0-0 oh oh in their last three against the Maple Leafs. The total has gone over in four of the last five between these two teams, and Toronto is 0-5 oh straight up in their last five against the Eastern Conference. So this is one of those games right after All-Star. Like, All-Star is sort of like the unofficial. It's not technically, but, you know, the first the first few games are like right after. It's sort of the unofficial halfway point of the season. And this is an Islanders team that, albeit, is above 500, 531. But they have the most bizarre record in the NHL. Like, they really, really do. 20-17-12 and 12. has to be the weirdest-looking record in the National Hockey League but there it is, and this is a team that needs to start stringing wins together. They uh, they didn't get the um, they didn't get the new coach bump from Patrick Waugh, of all people, like the most emotional coach uh, that we've seen for quite some time. They didn't get that bump when they made the coaching change. So at a certain point, they need to start turning things around if they're going to have any shot or have any thoughts of uh, of making it into the postseason. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think one of the, well, a lot of the questions revolve around the netminder. And with the news that Joseph Wall is still a ways away from returning, you know, we've made the point before that Martin Jones and Ilya Samsonov of recent note have given Brad Treliving some time, have given Brad Treliving some time, kind of like how Stuart Skinner has given Ken Holland and Edmonton some time before he has to make a decision. And maybe neither team makes a decision on goaltending because the goaltenders they have have bought those GMs time. You know, the Maple Leafs were one of those teams that probably did not want the All-Star break when they got it because things were rolling along. Ditto for Edmondson. The Islanders, though, they could use the break. It's an older team as well. We'll see what this does to rejuvenate them. Again, Pelican Pulak, game time decisions for the Islanders. We'll see about this one tonight. That's Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Connor McGahee coming up in hour two, but joining me next, Elliot Friedman from the uh, the Skate at Scotiabank Arena. Thought on the All Star weekend that we just saw, some news from around the NHL, and a thought or two on tonight's matchups. That's Hour 2, coming up in moments across the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Back in a moment. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
Welcome back to the program. Uh, the NHL back in action this evening. Uh, it is the Toronto Maple Leafs hosting the New York Islanders. And also, it is the Colorado Avalanche facing off against the New York Rangers. Avs play-by-play announcer on Altitude TV is our good friend Connor McGahee. He joins me now. Connor, how are you, sir? You know, it's good to have uh, hockey back, Jeff. You know, I can have about four days off and then uh, the itch returns that needs to be scratched. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to scratch uh, it tonight. Yeah, I... Uh, I... Uh, I am very much with you, uh, and I'm very much looking forward to tonight and the week coming up as it seems like every single game we're sort of advancing a little bit more, more games being added, teams coming off the bye week. But before we get into tonight, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, from a Colorado point of view, and we'll you know talk about Georgiev and we'll focus in on Nathan McKinnon as well. Did you have any Colorado takeaways from All-Star Weekend? Well, I mean, plenty, because three participants there, I would not have thought in a million years, and I think Kale McCarr agrees with me, that he would have had the hardest shot. And uh, uh, yeah. he uh, he told Kyle Keith of Altitude this morning that he said, I just wanted to get to 100 miles per hour. And uh, so he, he got there, he was happy with 100, and uh, he's happy with a 102.56 uh, as the hardest shot in this year's mm-hmm. uh, hardest shot competition. And then obviously... I mean, we get to see him and and McKinnon play every night. But McKinnon is on another solar system right now. And I I think that, obviously, he opens the scoring uh, in that first matchup. And then the the second goal is just saucy dirtiness that that is special. Uh, But for me, one of the the best stories was Alexander Georgiev, really, because – you know, a lot of a lot of eyebrows raised by by teams in the Western Conference, especially I think that Georgiev gets to make it to the All Star Game. But for me, you can't leave the NHL and wins and not go. Um, and so he's there. He has to go up against McDavid, and uh, he makes the most saves, and he's a hundred thousand dollars richer. So a lot of good. St- I know that Team McKinnon mm-hmm. up by two goals, and they don't advance. But a lot of good storylines. Uh, that went in and out of uh, the All-Star weekend there in Toronto. So uh, a good uh, couple of days there for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, absolutely. And uh, oh, just by, by the way, before we get to the, the, the avalanche that we're going to see on the ice tonight, uh, I'm just doing this. Uh, Connor, I am doing this completely selfishly. Um, my favorite <laughs> player in the NHL when he's healthy is Gabriel Landeskog. And I miss him. I miss yeah. him dearly. I love watching Landis go. My do. favorite player yeah. going away. What I, I get so excited. Christmas morning, you see Landis Gog on the ice. Oh, this is great. Is there any type of uh, of update, hopefully positive, that you can uh, you can share with us here about Landis Gog? Well, I mean, like you said, anytime that you're on the ice, and that's what was happening uh, before the All Star break, uh, that's a positive sign. Yeah. Uh, when you're coming back from that. Uh, I, and uh, again, I think the update, and Chris McFarland spoke on this uh, a couple weeks ago, is that, um, you know, it's it's way too early to tell. It would still be playoffs if there was a return. Um, but but uh, but I'm with you. I mean, everyone loves to see him back out there. And, and you talk about an addition to your locker room, to your lineup. Um, it, it would be playoffs if it happens. And uh, Jared Bednar yeah. is saying yesterday after practice before travel to New York that that uh, the captain will actually join the team on the second half of the six-game road trip back east. So uh, always good to, to, to have him around for, for things off the ice. And, and obviously, like you said, when, he, when he's at his best, 
for me, he's one of the most impactful players because he can do it all. And there's a reason yeah. that at the time he was named the youngest captain in the National Hockey League um, because of the type of game that he plays, yeah. because of the type of person that he is. And that's turned him into being a, an excellent father and, and husband and so on and so forth. So uh, we all miss him. And uh, we're, we're starting to get more doses of, of the captain back, in, uh, mm. back into uh, avalanche life as of late. Yeah, you've seen so much of Neath, and that is a great update. And we cross our fingers and A, hope that, you know, for his own sake, he's healthy again. And then B, uh, we get him on the ice in an NHL game so we can start to see him. But as you mentioned, yeah, no one's no one's holding out any hope for other than he's going to make it into the Avalanche lineup um, for the playoffs. Um, okay, you've watched a lot of Nathan McKinnon. You've seen a lot of Nathan McKinnon uh, on the, uh, the shady side of the mountain and also on the sunny side. Uh, of the mountain. Is this the best you've ever seen Nathan McKinnon play hot seat time, Connor McGahee? The best McKinnon you've ever seen, true or false? True. And that is saying something considering the fact that, um, it, you know, he, we said that in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs in 2022, um, when, you know, he has uh, a hat trick versus St. Louis in game five, pretty much to win it. The Avalanche can see late. They have to go yeah. to St. Louis and win it in game six. But, I, you know, talking to so many people there, this is the best that Nathan McKinnon has played. Ended up winning a Stanley Cup in 2022. Last year, the Avalanche, um, some subtractions from the lineup, some injury trouble. And almost single-handedly, Nathan McKinnon, willed the avalanche to the central division title uh, a hat trick in game 82 a replay of a game in nashville that had to be canceled because of a water main break and with a minute and a half left in the third period mckinnon scores his third goal of the game to win it for the avalanche and to win the division so at that point you're saying this is mm-hmm. the best that nathan mckinnon has ever played because again he single-handedly is carrying this team on his back into the postseason as a division champion and now you look at um, you know, just ho-hum, another two-point game for him uh, versus the Kings, 13-game <laughs> point streak. He's got eight, 18 yeah. points in those 13 games. I mean, everyone's talked about, you know, the 26 points in January, two more than Kucherov and, and Matthew Kachuk, four more than David Pasternak. Um, and there, believe it or not, there had never been a four-goal game in in Avalanche history. Hard to believe that Sakic, Forsberg, yeah. Valeri Kamensky uh, had not had a four-goal game, especially yeah. back in that time. But McKinnon has two this season. He has more four-goal games than he has zero-point games since November 30th. So um, he just we keep evolving Nathan McKinnon into saying this is the best that he's ever played, and and he wants to get better, which is which is the the part that's crazy because he, he, he thinks that he can reach another level. Kale McCarr said as much there in Toronto um, the past couple of days that he can find another level. And frankly, from what we've seen over the past two and three seasons, I don't doubt it. You know, Elliot and I sat down with uh, a number of players on Friday morning at a, a downtown uh, Toronto hotel in, a, in advance of, you know, uh, all-star skills and, and, and all-star uh, games. And we talked to Mitch Marner and we asked him about, you know, the impending announcement about what turns out to be the Four Nations face-off on the horizon and the Olympic mm. participation uh, as well the next to uh, Olympic Games. And, you know, we it's not exactly a secret that Mitch Marner was skated with Nathan McKinnon before, or as he calls him, Connor, as I'm sure you've heard, the dog 
Oh, it's good skating with the dog. I've done this with the dog. Um, how much, because listen, we obsess, and I'm sure you do as well, about international competition. It's been far too long since we've seen best on best involving NHLers. How much does McKinnon talk about it? Like we understand like focus and avalanche and Stanley Cup and all those things, but we know what excellence craves and that's playing against other excellent players, best on best. How much does McKinnon talk about international hockey in and around the organization? I mean, I think it'll probably be more. We haven't ventured that much into it yet. I'm sure we will, especially, like I said, we're, mm-hmm. we have the longest road trip uh, of the season coming up, six games that starts tonight at the Garden. Um, but I, I, And especially in the wake of, of that announcement and now that the, the All-Star facilities have ended, um, we can ask him a little bit more about it. But my, my inkling is, is that mm-hmm. um, at, there is no greater competitor that a lot of these guys have met in any sport, in any region of our game than Nathan McKinnon. He just wants to be the very best, and that includes playing for his country and and beating the other players and, and teams who are best in the world and, and also having the best players as teammates. And I think that, that knowing McKinnon and his personality and his drive, I, I think that is right in his wheelhouse. So to be able to go to the Olympics in 26 and 30 and to, to have this uh, four nations tournament coming up next year in lieu of the all-star game. I mean, to me, that that's just another, another check mark that, that Nathan or another place where McKinnon can improve his game and, and show that he's the best. I mean, uh, Connor McDavid obviously has done so much in this game and, and, and frankly, we've never seen, McKinnon and McDavid together, really, that that we've wanted to, uh, in, yeah. in and especially in in their in their primes, at least the past couple of years, where they've been the best versions of themselves. And you know, McKinnon's got the yeah. cup. I'm sure that he would like uh, more more accolades than, than that. So to me, I think that McKinnon uh, really will enjoy the the international stages that he'll be playing on coming up in the next five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight we get a chance to see Zach Parisi, and uh, he'll play on a line with Ryan Johansson and Arturi Lekkonen, if I'm not mistaken, Connor. What what do you expect out of uh, out of Parisi tonight? Again, first game, temper expectations. I understand all of that, but what are you looking for? I'm I'm looking for the because the Avalanche and everyone knows this. They play fast. Everything is about speed, and even if you don't yeah. have. The legs, which, by the way, watching him at morning skate at MSG this morning, um, he, he did look pretty quick. And now morning skate is way different than, than actually playing inside of a game. But it's not just sure. fleet of foot, it's fleet of brain. And and that's where Zach Parise has, has shined over the years. I mean, lest we forget, he did 21 goals with the New York Islanders in 82 games last year as as a 38-year-old. So uh, I just think that, that the, the the brain speed is is definitely still there, and it's going to be a good addition, I think, and more so for for Ryan Johansson because now he he hasn't had to play or he hasn't got to play, I should say, with with other forwards who he hasn't really gotten to play with top six forwards very much because of of the Avalanche right. forward situation in the past two or three months. So now. To put Johansson, Parise, and Arturi Lekkinen, um, frankly, one of the best two-way forwards for me in the National Hockey League, in there, 
it's it's going to be able to maybe unlock Johansson a little bit more. So I, I just like the way that, mm. that both Johansson and Parise see the game and, and much less see the game together. So I, I'm excited to see how it works out. And obviously the first game and maybe the first two are a little different because, you know, he hasn't played since, since April 28th of 2023. Yeah. Um, so you're just, you're 10 months shy. So, I think in the first game out, I don't know. He didn't look out of place at all this morning in morning skate. We'll put it that way. So hopefully that translates to the ice tonight at Madison Square Garden. A scale of one to 10. We'll end on this one. How important is it considering, you know, there's Dallas and there's Winnipeg. How important is it for this team to finish first in the division? Uh, I, I would go nine or 10. Because you do not want to play Dallas or Winnipeg in the first round. Because, well, for, for me, because of the goaltending. I mean, um, I don't know about anybody else, but I usually see Jake Ottinger and Connor Hellebuck in my nightmares. So I would rather prolong that a little bit. See <laughs> <laughs> with that in the, fir- in the first round. So I, I think that a fourth a four straight division title for this team uh, is important because they. Yeah. I, I, look, they're all going to be tough, but it's just the, the, the two the two Titans in the central division uh, you'd like to put off for me as long as possible. That's excellent. Uh, Connor, thanks as always for stopping by. Should be a good one tonight. The uh, Avalanche facing off against the New York Rangers as the road trip begins. Thanks as always and enjoy tonight's game at MSG. Will do, Jeff. Good to talk to you. Thanks, friend. There he is, the great Connor McGee. He's the uh, Avalanche play-by-play announcer on Altitude TV. You can see Nathan McKinnon. You can see Kale McCarr. You can see Zach Parisi playing for the Colorado Avalanche tonight. Uh, a couple of minutes here before we uh, go to the break, and don't forget we're staying over the top of the hour for the London Police Press Conference. In the meantime, uh, Matt Marchese... Um, you mentioned in hour one talking a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs New York Islanders game, and that certainly brings with it a lot of sidebar stories. Interesting that we haven't mentioned the John Tavares versus Islanders side of things. I guess that is really only a story uh, when the Maple Leafs aren't the home team, but nonetheless, park that for a couple of seconds here. Um, we're getting back to NHL hockey, mm-hmm. uh, which is wonderful. All-Star was great, but now here we are back to NHL hockey. Uh, what do you make of this Avalanche-Rangers matchup here tonight? Like, I'm from New York's point of view, I am very curious to see if the second half can be kinder to Igor Shosturkin than the first half was. Having said that, uh, Jonathan Quick gets a start tonight um, for the Rangers. Uh, what do you look for in, in this in this game tonight? Honestly, I, I I look at how Alexander Gorgiev can play. Like he's coming off of the you know the big performance against Connor McDavid. My wife, when I was watching it, she's like, "What's going on here?" I go, "He's going to get lit up like a Christmas tree for sure." McDavid's got this one in the yeah, bag, he, and, he, and he didn't. So we um, all thought. That's what we all thought. But you know, Gorgiev has really had some ups and downs this year. Started out great. And then we've kind of seen some of the lulls to the point where people are like, are the Colorado Avalanche going to go and have to get a goaltender here to at least spell Gorgiev a little bit more? Um, He's a very interesting part to this game for me tonight because the the Avalanche are not the same team that won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago. We know that. And they didn't, not that they didn't need the goaltending from Darcy Kemper, but it was less of a thing. Now it feels like it's more of a thing with the Colorado Avalanche. So that's why I'm very curious for that one. And and honestly, with the Rangers, 
the Rangers, again, they had some lulls as well, kind of closing in on the all-star break. And you're like, okay, just get to the break. Just get to the break. The Rangers are a fascinating team because they're one of those teams that I look at ahead of trade deadline. I'm like, they're going to do something. They feel like they're in that window. Yeah. I feel the same way. Okay, we are going... Thanks, Maddie. We're going to step away here from this program. Thanks to everybody who was uh, involved in it, uh, both behind the glass uh, and also uh, by way of guests, whether it's Connor McGahee, whether it's Elliot Friedman, whether it's Luke Fox, whether it's Sean Bartlett. Thank you for stopping by. Now, just a word of caution. Uh, what you're about to hear and see could be distressing or triggering for you. Uh, this involves allegations of sexual assaults, that some people may find quite upsetting. We urge you to use caution when listening or watching next. After the uh, break here towards the top of the hour, we will go to the London Police Press Conference. We'll see how much we get by way of details about the uh, alleged sexual assaults going back to 2018 involving members of the World Junior Hockey Team. That's next across the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360.